and welcome to Contra Mundum. Uh, my name is Andrew Isker, and I'm here with my co-host, uh, CJ Engel. Hello, CJ. I'm ready to get started. Um, the first big thing from this week that was uh, 2023, uh, first week of February, um, the balloon. We had a balloon that flew over the country and scared everyone and finally was shot down after it had crossed the entire country. Uh, so CJ, what, what's going on with the balloon? Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, we were going to talk about the fakeness of the balloon, but it's funny because just this morning, I don't know if you saw it, but I guess there was um, some threat over, the, over Alaska, 40,000 miles away. I don't even know if that's accurate. I think I saw the number 40,000. 40,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. 40,000 miles, 40,000 feet. Uh, We're not claiming to be accurate news, but we will analyze it. So, but they shot it down immediately. Right. And we, everyone heard about it after the fact. So that was kind of my point when we were discussing this last time is if there ever is a threat, they can take it out within 30 seconds. So the fact that this, there was this big, deal this big ordeal made out of nothing a floating balloon that that these things have been around since the 50s and the surveillance technology that's integrated into our daily lives not only can china get a much deeper um you know inspection of what's going on through our through our phones and through our computers and everything but we also have like the cia the nsa and all of the myriad federal government agencies, not to mention the Five Eyes program in Israel and all that stuff. So the idea that this balloon was some sort of unique surveillance threat is is kind of goofy. Yeah. And it's it's something that's so goofy, only the national security establishment can make a big deal out of it. So yeah. I think the whole thing was overblown. And it was basically meant to drum up tensions with China, which seems to be where the regime is going, um, you know, in terms of their relationship with the East. So I think the whole thing was a, a bunch of nothing. I don't agree with the you know, like the mainstream, like like conservative incorporated take that this is a sign of Biden administration's weakness. I think all that is nothing. If there really was a threat, they could have shut it down before it even happened. I mean, that's the power of the yeah. U.S. security state. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think some of it too. Like, I mean, you you see this happen a lot with the. Um, you know, the now the conservative analysis of of things going on that the typical like low hanging fruit uh, conservative take is yeah Biden is incompetent he doesn't know what he's doing he has all these millennials that are that are that care more about pronouns than than uh, governing well and so forth they're all incompetent idiots and there, there's certainly some truth to that of course yeah, this is why they say it but um we saw the same thing happen with Afghanistan. Um, but initially when, when Afghanistan happened, I thought, wow, they're a bunch of idiots. What are they doing? How, they're totally messing this up. They're leaving all this equipment over in Afghanistan. They're doing all this. They're, they're getting out of there. They don't need to, uh, why are they, why are they abandoning it? Uh, so easily, even though, I mean, obviously they should have gotten out of Afghanistan 20 years ago, but why are they, why now? And why is it such a disaster and such a mess? Well, it's, it's clear that they were doing this to devote all of their resources to Ukraine. Like they knew this was coming and they prepared for it. They wasn't stupid. They, and the, it, so some of this is the same type of thing. It looks like incompetence that they're just letting this happen, but they're trying to uh, drum up support because you look at Ukraine and we'll discuss Ukraine in, in, in a minute, uh, things going on there. But um, the, you, you look at Ukraine and immediately what happened as soon as the war began was um, all of the people who, ha- who understood what happened with 
um, you know, everything in 2020 and were skeptical of everything that the TV told them during 2020 with, with the elections and the riots and, and the, the disease, um, immediately, immediately they just buy everything that the TV says, right? They're like, oh, uh, Putin is bad, he's evil, and whatever the TV tells me about this conflict, I am going to believe. Um, and so like, like the, that's that's what happened there. Like war and foreign policy completely uh, change, like causes everyone to turn into a mindless drone. Um, and so the same thing has happened. They're, do, they're running the same play basically with China uh, because Russia, China, Brazil to some extent, although uh, Brazil has kind of been pacified in, in some, because they got rid of Bolsonaro uh, through a, a quasi color revolution there as well. Um, and and so you, you have, you know, China, Russia, maybe India, it's harder to say, right? Maybe Hungary too. They're kind of on the edge of the, the EU. Um, but uh, you have these countries that are unaligned with the globalist American empire and they are threats. And so one of the things, I mean, one of the questions that people typically have, I've had is you, we, we know about all the dealings of our politicians um, with these countries, with both Russia and, and China. I mean, Hillary Clinton, sold a bunch of uranium and they got a bu- she got a bunch of money at the F- Clinton Foundation got a bunch of money from the Russians um Biden of course got a bunch of money from Ukraine he's also got money from from China and Russia um and so all of these politicians right they 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 get money from these foreign powers but right at the same time they're like they're saber rattling against Russia obviously and 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 now China as well so uh tr- unpack that for me. what what why is why does it happen that way what does that mean? I think, yeah, I, I, so I think I think one of the things that needs to be attention paid attention to is when when there is a, a pretty um, pleasant relationship in w- between the East and the West, there's money to be made, and you know these politicians are they're world class experts at basically whoring themselves out for money. Like that's just what <laughs> that's what they do. They'll take yeah. money from anyone and they'll do anything for it. And yeah. so when times are fine, that's how you can have foreign interference and foreign involvement in our political process. And that's kind of the norm is to is to these politicians will make deals. Um, they'll make deals with corporations and they'll make deals with, you know, uh, nation states in order to to do what they do. I mean, they're so they're so easy to pay off. They have zero higher principle except for to their own um, their, their own depraved desires. But. Um, at the end of the day, uh, politics does matter, and we don't live in a in a one world government right now. And so there, are, when when there are geopolitical conflicts, um, you know the the American political class they recognize that they have to protect the regime, and the regime is in Washington D.C. And if Putin is going to act in a way that uh, prevents the regime from expanding its borders and expanding its influence out the um, you know throughout the world. And China joins them for geostrategic reasons. Um, the United States, you know, they're they're going to quickly come back and make sure at the end of the day that the regime stays strong because you know that is that is their god. They don't they don't really care about um, you know what's going on over there except in as much as it it, it impacts their own ability to dominate um, yeah. you know Eastern Europe and yeah. extend NATO influence. So I think I think that's what's really going on is when things are okay, they'll make a buck. When when things are beginning to get heated, um, you know, in, in Washington, Washington cannot imagine a world where they don't have total control. Yeah. And if something seems to to threaten that, you know, they will agitate for war. 
yeah. that's what's going on in Ukraine. Ukraine's just yeah. a proxy for United States power. Yeah, they will. They'll, they'll actually, and some people might think like, oh, World War Three is going to happen. And it's it's not as though that they they are going to just go rush headlong into World War Three. It's that they're going to exercise power to get the results that they want. So if China is is operating in such a way that they they are a threat to you know, American hegemon, uh, hegemony, right? Then there's going to be pressure put on them from all sorts of different ways. I mean, you have and you you've seen this for the, really like the, like the last thirty years or longer. I mean, Tiananmen Square, for example, was was an American color revolution attempt. I mean, they do they do this stuff. Everything order, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like anything, all pop all pop yeah. popular uprisings are American bad. Popular yeah. uprisings. Yeah, yeah they're, it's all, they're all, it's all fake. fake. Yeah, all fake. yeah, none of them are real. Like it's they're all people. I mean, like the 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 um the primary example, of course, is 2014 in Ukraine, where you have like all of this brand new. Like Ukraine's one of the poorest countries, if if not the poorest country in Europe. But in 2014, like you had all this like brand new computers and equipment and all this kind of stuff that like when you see the camps of the protesters and things like that, all this food, all every every supply they could possibly need, clothing, all of it. Where did it come from? Who paid for it? Right? Obviously, all of this is put on. All of it is fake. I mean, well, yeah, the State Department was there. Yeah, they mean, were. They it. were. They were yeah. saying exactly what they were trying to do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah, Newland yeah. like admitted to all of it, right? Uh, so like everybody, everybody knows this, and and of course, like this this conflict and things like this, um, they're put on. So we should be you know a little bit more skeptical when we see the big scary Chinese balloon. Um, it isn't like, oh, like the Chinese have our best interests as of the American people in mind. Of course they don't. Uh, we're, a, we're a geopolitical adversary of theirs. Uh, but at the same time, just the same thing with like Russia, like anybody, anytime people want to, um, and we'll get to this later, but anytime you you are critical of what the American regime is doing, like people will be like, oh, you love Putin, you love Russia. And it's like, well, no, actually, I love America, but I understand that the people that rule my country are very, very evil. And um, I don't always want them to succeed in their evil schemes. Um, so uh, moving on, speaking of evil schemes and the people, the evil people that run our country, um, the nominal head of the evil people who run our country, uh, Joe Biden, uh, gave the State of the Union address. And so uh, the State of the Union address, of course, uh, here at uh, Contra Mundum, uh, we have nothing but the most res- you know, uh, utter respect for American norms and traditions of, of our politicians. I mean, it's a, a decorum. We care a lot about decorum here. Uh, and so we will only speak in hushed tones about how important the State of the Union address is. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah, it's so important that I only made it 30 seconds into the demonstration, uh, you know, because I had to brush my teeth. But, <laughs> oh, by, the, by, the, by the way, there's a there's a, a pride flag. You made this graphic for the record. You made it with the pride flag above my head. Yeah, I got like the cool this, one. Like this devil's horns. That's right. I, I don't, yeah, as a setup, complete setup. I didn't make it. Yeah. Got him. I got him. Yeah, yeah, you got me. Uh, and you're like, you need to use this graphic and I'm going to use the base. I'm going to use the I, I base get, graphic. I get King Alfred. You get <laughs> No, the cross is right above you. That's the, that's the important thing. That's, that's what we wanted. The, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. It's, well, yeah. they all stand like right it's here. Scoot over a little bit so they can, we can see how cool of a picture it is. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. That's, that's better. There we, there we go. Um, so, uh, state of the union happens and, you know, Joe Biden, uh, somehow makes it through, the speech they had enough 
pills for him to take to be able to mostly get through the speech without slurring every single word. Um, but I mean, ultimately, what is the state of the union? It's, it's, I mean, originally, like if you go back to American history, because the constitution requires the, the executive to inform the legislature uh, about the state of the union. That's, that's really all it is. And so originally what they would do, they'd write a letter to Congress and that was it. Um, only, only very recently, only really with the advent of mass media, um, did it become a huge production, a big speech that the president uh, would give. Um, and originally, of course, you know, people talk about like, oh, it's very important that they're respectful and everything else. Uh, like this last one, uh, I, I mean, I remember like 10 years ago when a single lone congressman yelled out, you lie uh, to Obama. Um, of course he lied. I mean, all they do is lie. But, um, and, and people people lost their minds over that. Like how, this breach of decorum, oh my goodness. Um, well, thankfully, um, you know, we, we had this, uh, you know, godsend of a president uh, named Donald Trump who made a mockery of the whole, all, all of this fakeness, right? All of this whole facade of respectability uh, in, you know, in, in Washington, D.C. I mean, these are just white. I mean, if, if you want to think of like an, uh, an example of, of whited sepulchers, right, that Jesus talked about, I mean, that's them. That's these people. And, and he just exposed them for what they, what they were, right? And so all the decorum is gone. It's out the window. And, of course, uh, Biden is a mirror image of this, right? He turned this speech, which is supposed to be this speech where you, I guess you laud the things that you've done over the past year, the successes of, and some of your legislative items that you want to you know, accomplish. But um, he, he turned it into, right, this very partisan thing. Um, and of course, people are upset about this and they're very upset about the Republicans, you know, yelling and, 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 and carrying on. I mean, it really kind of looked like a, a scene from a European parliament, Right where they're just like yelling at each other across the, across the island. I mean, yeah, that's good really, and exactly great. It's what it should be. <laughs> I want them to fight a little bit at least. Uh, yeah. At least make it look, like, make it look yeah. good, right? Um, but uh, um, ultimately, like it, it should. I mean, I want I want the fakeness of this stuff to be exposed. Yeah. So yeah. So you know the idea of loggerheads, you know, fighting and and, and having the tension, you know, with the Republicans' outrage. Of course, they were outraged. Um, you know, protecting their own political profiles and professions and all that. But I, you know, I really do. I think I think there needs to be more strife and tension and dissent and mutinies and uh, congressmen going rogue. I mean, we need some of that shakeup. The idea that we're all supposed to, you know, especially Congress, you know, in the Senate, especially if they're if they're if everyone's getting along, you know, then then, you know, that you're being screwed over, basically. Yeah. You yeah, know, so that's, you, that's you need. Murray Rothbard quote, I think, is that like uh, if anything bipartisan, it means that like the people are are getting getting screwed. Like, yeah, yeah, basically. I, I think I think that's Rothbard quote. Like if it's true, anything bipartisan is always going to be monstrous. Yeah. So oh, we actually need we actually need more partisanship, but it needs to be a part of partisanship that's grounded in the interests of the American people. You know, and so like, I mean, there's very few people like that. And I don't and I don't want to I mean, people like Matt Gates, and I don't I don't want to, you know, place too much. I know we're going to talk about people like Ron DeSantis and stuff. So we should always be wary about putting our faith in people. But the people like Matt Gates, who are just stubbornly saying no, when all the pressure is is put on them to get along, that's the type of partisanship we need. We need someone to just stubbornly make kind of a chaos presence. 
in yeah. in Congress. And that's, I think, that's what's good for the country. Not this get along, be quiet, listen to the revered speaker because he's the head of state. You know, that that's ridiculous and that's absurd and that's not politics. That's actually the absence of politics. And when yeah. you don't have politics, you have tyranny. Politics is good because it absorbs that that tension and, and, and puts it out into a transparent avenue for everybody to see um, the fight. You know, the fight is good. The fight means that there's hope. So, the, you know, that that's what I want to see more of. I want I want to see something chaotic. You know, I, I want to see like like if you if you look at if you read about like the Roman Senate, I mean, there were stabbings. Right. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. So like, let's return. That's even even early American history, like a, yes. a, like a guy got beaten the head with a cane one time on the in the United States Senate. Yeah, like yeah, bring it back, return exactly, bring it back. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I thought that maybe was going to happen during the speaker fight with Matt Gates. Like it got a little bit desperate. Like one guy got grabbed, you know. Um, yeah, more of the, we should see more of this. Like people, I mean, the people like you know, uh, you know, I don't know, David French or uh, or whoever. I mean, you know, he he like people like that. Right, that were like, oh, the, our norms and decorum and and all of the things that uh, that matter so much. Our decency is being violated. It's like, yes, I want that. These are evil people doing evil things. I want people that are going to fight them and not let them lie and not pretend everything is okay. I want war. You know, I want the yeah. Andrew Breitbart war. Like that's what I want. You know, that's, that's yeah, exactly. I think what what decorum means. Um, and what are, you know, like what they mean by traditions um, is not traditions. What they mean yeah. is the Iraq war. What they yes. mean is the Department of Education. What they mean yes. is um, the administrative state entering every aspect of our lives and radicalizing it um, under the radar. You know, that what, the, what they mean by decorum is submission. You know, so we don't want we don't want decorum. I think we want politics. You know, I think we want very clearly drawn lines between the friend and the enemy. I think that's kind of what where we need to go. So um, we can go forward to the Trump DeSantis or whatever yeah, you want to talk about. Speaking next. of uh, very clear lines between friend and enemy and actual politics being done, um, some of the things that have happened uh, very recently um, has been uh, things happening in Florida, in the state of Florida and in a few other states um, where political power is being is 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 being realized and wielded by by a head of government in the state of Florida against our enemies. It's a wonderful thing. It's great. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that happened this week that I mean your 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 uh, re, you know real conservative types are up in arms over is that Governor DeSantis took away the liquor licenses of, of these these bars and, and restaurants establishments that. Uh, we're having drag queen uh, performances with little kids, you know, people grinding on on little toddlers and wearing, you know, dresses and and, and things of that nature. Um, they, he shut them down. He took away their liquor licenses. Of course, people are like, "Oh, he can't do that. That has nothing to do with whether they violated the rules of, of serving alcohol." Blah blah blah. And it's like, who cares? Who cares what the rules are? He has power, and you get to use it when you're governor. And, 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 and so these people, I mean, same thing. The other thing that he's done is he took uh, Christopher Rufo, uh, you know, and put him on the board of one of these universities in, in Florida and set him there to fight the, the DEI and all of the wokeness and everything that's taken over the universities. And you have people like Jordan B. Peterson, 
from uh, Canada uh, who uh, want to let us know. Imagine if the situation was reversed, right? Could you imagine <laughs> if leftists get this power over education? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what happened to this I mean, guy? What yeah, happened so, to him? Like, yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I mean, the definition of educational development over 120 years has been lefts, leftists in the in the hands of power. I mean, if you look at what happened in the progressive era, this is where it all started. Was it like Princeton University, right? This is this is what happened to Machen and to the Westminster Theological Seminary. It was all about the university. The leftists have always had the universities for 120 years, and the second. The second we began to fight back in any small, minuscule detail, we have Jordan Peterson to lecture us and think about what might happen if the left comes into power. Um, it's absurd. <laughs> but the other, the, the other thing that it does, and I think it's a denial of, of the essence and the reality of, of the political, the concept of the political. Yeah. I think the idea that we can somehow uh, picture this neutral world where everyone gets along and no, the right doesn't have its way and the left doesn't ha have this way. We just have this middle ground where we can all be happy. I think that's nonsense. I think politics is forever. And yeah, you should fear what happens if the left get that gets that power. And that's why we need more right-wingers and more Christians in power wielding it. Yeah. Because we shouldn't be concerned about what happens if the left gets that power. Because that we've, we're seeing what happens when they get that power, and we need to stop them from getting that power. And we need the only way to stop them from getting that power is not the libertarian solution of um, like um, just closing it down, because that's actually not a solution because it's impossible. But the libertarian solution is to get in, wield the power, crush the enemy, and if you you know then if you can back off, you know that's great. But if not, we're in, we're in a state of culture war. And yeah. you have to wield power. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no deep politicization. It's either your friends have power or your enemies have power. There's no other option. You yeah. Know, that, there's only there, there's a, there's the myth of an option. Yeah. But that's there's no political reality yeah. of a third no, way. The, the the myth of the option is just surrender. That's that's all it is. Like the op, your option is is fight or surrender. And so far, you know, conservatives have just have always surrendered. That's all, all we do. We surrender and we, and it's, and it's with this, like this, this quasi libertarian myth that like, where we could just, we could just avoid political power. A lot of Christians buy into this where it's like po political power is icky and bad and you shouldn't want to wield it. Um, and it's like, I mean, I look over, you know, over my shoulder here is this example of, of King Alfred where the, their country is overrun by pagan Vikings that are raping and pillaging and murdering and stealing. And why did he have to, he had to wield political power against enemies that were doing evil, right? There is no option of like, well, you know, if we just withdraw from politics, if we just do some Benedict option stuff and, and, and hide in the monastery, we'll be okay. No, that's not, that's not a solution. That's not possible. Like this is why to fight. This is why I think like Stephen Wolf's book and in, in, in an entire framework is so important. Um, I think he does a really good job at recognizing the fact that when we live in temporal situations, that we live in the second kingdom, that we have earthly concerns, that we are supposed to and obligated as human beings, as creatures, to care for our family, our kin, our tribe, those that God placed around our nation. I think those are temporal concerns, and they don't necessarily have to do with the eternal heavenly kingdom. It is okay to fight for temporal uh, concerns. It is okay to fight back against, um, you know, for, in in a political way against political threats. I think I think that project I think is is a great 
third option between like theonomy and just sort of the giving up, uh, you know, R2K solution. I think that the, that his model, his framework, I think it's right where the Christian conversation needs to be recognizing the two kingdoms fighting for things that are temporal because we're created beings and God created us for community. He created us for society and we need to honor him in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's, that's one of the, 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 um, you know, bigger issues. And then we'll, we'll continue the, you know, this conversation on into the future, in the, in the future episodes, but you're, you're, you're exactly right that we want to, um, we, we want to have, you know, both these options where it's like, either we have this perfectly, uh, one kingdom theonomic idea where it's like, we're just going to copy and paste the mosaic law into, into you know, the U S constitution, um, on the one hand, and then you have, that's a very small, small group that, that, you know, holds that view. Then you have on the other hand, like Christians that just are, are completely checked out entirely. Like they, they, they have no desire. They think it's holy to not care about, I mean, you imagine being you know, an Anglo-Saxon in, in the 900s, um, as, as Vikings are ransacking everything and just saying, well, I'm, I'm very holy and I don't really care. This world's not our home. It doesn't, you know, it matter. Uh, that's the perspective of a lot of Christians. Of course, that's, that's, you know, buttressed by the fact we've had, you know, 50 or 60 or 70 years of um, unimaginable economic success that we've enjoyed um, collectively as, as a people, uh, where it's really easy to say that when life is pretty good. Uh, but as we are in very steep decline, both you know, economically, politically, socially, culturally, um, it's a lot harder uh, than it was to, it, to say that than it was, you know, 10 years ago, even. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think a lot of Christians are being forced to have to come to these realizations and realize it's not going to stop. Like checking out is not going to work. Um, I can go hang out down in my rapture bunker and wait for the rapture to happen. But so far it hasn't. And every time they say it's going to, it hasn't. Um, so like, don't put your hope in that and just the end of the world happening, you know, um, this deus ex uh, machina uh, taking place. Like you need to fight. You need to stand up and fight. And you need to find other people that want to fight on your side. And and whether it's, um, you know, gaining the governorship of this an important state like Florida or- Or, uh, or California. Or, yeah, that's right. Or California. Yeah. You're yeah. like, well- Or Minnesota. Or Minnesota. Lost cause. <laughs> Some things have to be lost causes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there might be more profitable uh, pastors. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but um, right, instead of doing those things, we need to pursue political power where we can. Like every single person has influence wherever they are, whether, like you said, in the, in this temporal uh, world that you're in, like you have family, right? You have a neighborhood that you are a part of. You have a, you have relationships that you're a part of that where you can you can wield influence. Um, and, and Christians have just checked out. We've said, no, we don't want to do this. Um, and so, and some of it too, is like, we, we refuse to understand what politics is, right? At, at the most root basic level, politics is, is using power to, to benefit your people, your friends at the expense of your enemies, right? To, to harm your enemies and to help your friends, right? To defend your people against the people that mean to do them harm. And, um, and if you don't get that, like you, you don't, you don't get what any of it is. Um, so yeah. Well, so at the end of the day, like Ron DeSantis is doing a great job in the state of Florida, and I, I hope he stays there for, uh, you know, the next forty years, um, because 
right? Even if even if he is everything that every like the most rosy eyed glasses wearer of you know DeSantis stand thinks he is, which I'm I'm skeptical. Um, even if he is as great as as his mom and his wife and and all of his best friends think he is, um, when he if he got to Washington D.C. Instead of having control of all the bureaucracies, all of the political power, all the levers of power in the state of Florida, now he has all of those things. If he's a good guy, arrayed against him, yeah. and, and and you're giving up Florida to to an uncertain future as well. Like it's a very important state. Like one mm-hmm. of the things he also just did is, um, it, it, the legislature there is expanding uh, the National Guard and expanding their authority over the National Guard, which. I mean, people want to think like, oh, it's national divorce. Oh, he's getting ready for Civil War too. Here we go. Ron DeSantis is going to don a gray jacket and a white horse, and he's going to ride out to, to, face, uh, to face the Union. Like, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But um, the, the important thing, like, everybody saw what happened in 2020 and um, how, you know, red states, red, you know, red governments, things like this, were totally unprepared, totally flat-footed for what mm-hmm. happened, uh, for the color revolution of 2020. Um and having, you know, a much more powerful National Guard, much more powerful civil defense um, organization in the state of Florida um, will, will allow them to just put that down with an iron fist immediately and never allow that to happen in their state. And so things like that, that's the kind of stuff that has to happen. There's other states that this yeah. happened to Oklahoma, uh, Idaho, uh, Montana. They're, they're doing good things on the, on the woke stuff, on, on the uh, uh, LGBT stuff, like fighting these things. That's, that's, that's all fantastic. But um, I like as far as national politics goes. We're, so we we've, we've pr- done nothing but praise Ron DeSantis and say how great he is and what a wonderful governor he is. But um, why are you against him running for president in twenty twenty four? Or maybe you're not. Maybe I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> my <opinion on> you. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I don't know if I'm against. Well, I don't. I don't know if I'm against it. But I'm. Um, I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy that he is like. Um, I don't I don't buy that he's going to fulfill the role that everyone thinks he's going to fulfill, not only because of the character of the administrative state, but also because of his own background and his own connections and his own deeply uh, funded allies. I think that at the end of the day, he took advantage in a good way of a specific political context within the Florida political apparatus and did a good job with what he had. But I don't think that he's going to be some like paleoconservative right wing dissenter. And I don't I don't think he's gonna have the power or the will to push against neoconservatism. I think yeah. at the end of the day, the G- the GOP and the entire thrust of its momentum is going to be neoconservative. I think he's going to push a neoconservative foreign policy. I think he's going to push for a more robust relations with Israel, which I I'm not fond of. You know, in any sense, I think that's disastrous, not only for American freedom, but also for the health and um, stability of the of the Middle East and ultimately the world. I think that he'd be very, you know, too much um, on that on that team. I also think that he um, doesn't have. I think he has more of a um, this idea that he can tinker around the edges of the administrative state and make things a little bit better without seeing the administrative state as the enemy. Yeah. Right. So his entire framework for for power works well um, within the Floridian context, but it doesn't work well at the national level. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to be sort of a, a Bushite, you yeah. know, to be to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, you see at the State of the Union, you know, Mitch McConnell has his blue and gold tie, you know, and like he's, he's very much supporting Ukraine. Like 
he's going to be in that mold. Like he, he doesn't, like, he's not a billionaire. Like, I mean, th- here's the thing. Like everyone thinks, right. Oh, you love Trump. You think Trump could do no wrong. It's like, no, if you want to like discuss all of the problems with Donald Trump, all the things that, that are wrong, everything, every mistake he's done, everything like that, like get in line. Cause I've got a lot. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, right, because of his billions, he had quite a bit more independence to, to plot a much more independent course against the neoconservatives uh, within the Republican Party. He, he was able to dissent from them. He was able to do you know, a lot of things uh, that he wanted to do, that he, he promised he would do um, in the 2016 election. Um, and so, I mean, one of, one of the best presidents foreign policy-wise um, – in a hundred years, you know, maybe, maybe longer. Um, and so like, and that's at, at, at the federal level, like the most important thing, the most important thing to the regime is foreign policy is exerting American power overseas. Like that is issue number one to them. That's the mm-hmm. basis of all of their power is that. So if we want to talk about like the trans stuff and the woke stuff and, and, you know, right global homoizing the entire world right it starts with that base of power they yeah. want that um, and this that's the problem too is like the entire thrust of the desantis phenomenon has basically been a post 2016 so like i mean his entire vision can be interpreted as a bring us back to 2015 yeah i mean it doesn't really appeal to me you know as someone who you know sees the long course of the 20th century and everything that's happened i mean you don't have to have this mentality of I want everything returned back to 1900 or bust. I don't think you have to have that mentality, but at the same time, if you don't understand that everything has been um, denigrated, that everything has gone downhill for a very long time, if you don't see the steps along the way, then I don't think you're going to have a proper framework for going forward. You know, so like this idea that like, you know, we were heroes in 2000, in, uh, the World War II and the Cold War and the Reagan administration. And then, you know, the Bush, he, he fought the terrorists and kept us safe and was making the safe the world safe for democracy and fighting for women's rights in Afghanistan and all this stuff. And then suddenly Obama came along and brought us a Marxist. Like, it is, it's, it's, yeah. it's tiresome. And I think DeSantis could kind of tend in that direction. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that is probably the direction you would go. Like, the, the, the most important thing, and I say this all the time, and I'm going to keep saying this all the time, um, for national politics is to delegitimize the regime, right? That is the most important issue. Um, like, is this candidate going to right. make right. the regime look ridiculous, make them look <laughs> stupid? Is he going to show that the emperor has no clothes? Rhonda right. is not going to do that. Right. right? Uh, at the very best, like the absolute very best, it would be like if Mitt Romney won the 2012 election, right? That That's what it's going to be, right? I mean, really, it is. I mean, people don't want to hear that because they, they see the great stuff that he's done in Florida um, and they think that that translates, but it's, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, the analogy I would use would be like um, in college football, like a quarterback who was just absolutely awesome um, in college football, Tim Tebow, for example, from Florida, um, <laughs> Awesome college quarterback, amazing national championships, all that Heisman trophies, all that kind of stuff gets to the NFL and is worthless. Like he is not, I mean, this is, you know, some people think he was great. Was not a good quarterback in the NFL because you gotta, you gotta, you have to be like so much better. It's a totally different ball game, right? Completely different. It's the same, it's the same analogy, right? I mean, it fits. 
DeSantis is great at where he's at. Like, let him play football and, and run the football down in Florida, score touchdowns for the next 40 years. Because if he tries to go to the next level, he is going to be a bust. If that's what's going to I'm, I'm telling you, everybody needs to know this. Like, get through the head. That's what's going to happen. It's like, I mean, it's the, it's the same thing as it always is. And conservatives are always disappointed. I mean, yeah. Lucy's pulling the football right yeah. out from under Charlie Brown once again. It's like the yeah. same thing. You put hope in these in these guys. But look, I mean, I think I think you do. I think the idea of um, disenfranchising or disenchanting rather people's perception of the glories of Washington is far more important than t- tinkering uh, with the with the most recent policies of the administrative state. I mean, you have to. People need to understand that the entire thing is is goofy and ludicrous and they need to be called out for being clowns you know they're not to be revered they're not special people they're just a no. bunch of dumb yeah yeah exactly yeah, just, I mean, just look at like, 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 like tweets making fun like the one of the this is why like people talk about like january 6th and like oh it's so terrible blah 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 it's like no like uh it served a very important function it made a lot of people in washington look absurd and ridiculous like the people crying like adam kinzinger crying about it oh yeah. yeah like that's that's the function like like these people are are cowards they're weak like the guy who was wearing the like gas mask fart huffing suit um those those photographs i mean they're classic um yeah that's that's the kind of stuff that has to happen is like these people need to look ridiculous and then quite honestly like the 2020 election and the 2022 election um like a lot of people blackpilled after this they got really depressed and thought oh it's all over you know what woe is us what are we going to do and it's like what, what did you think was going to happen? Like, did you think like this wave of, of uh, Trumpist Republicans was going to come in and dismantle the regime and, and bring back the glory days of the United States? Like, that's not what's going to fix things. Yeah, I, I hope be... I hope that process I hope that process awakened people to political realities. Yes. You're not going to change things um, through the ballot box. No, you know, that's it's good for people to realize it's good for people to see, quite frankly, that, that Biden won. You know, yeah. and, and, and we've talked about this many times and people say, no, actually, Trump won if you count legitimate votes. But counting legitimate votes has no bearing on who's wielding power, as you can yeah. see from Kerry Lake losing. And as you can see from Donald Trump losing, because winning is about capturing the reins of power. That's what winning yeah. is. Yeah. Right. So so yeah. who won those elections? It's they did because they were willing to do what it takes. They were willing to act politically to overcome the 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 um like the the restraints of the electoral process to get into power and the conservative the conservatives and republicans were not willing to do that and so they lost yeah. and we don't i mean we we don't have this like uh reserve of losers that the democrats have you know losers and criminals and and, and ne'er-do-wells to be able to call upon to go do fraudulent activities like we can't yeah. do that and we're never right. going to have that and so so but like that's i think the white pill is tens of millions of people realizing like this is this is not going to work. I mean, they're they're highly politicized people. They're people that that care deeply about politics, but they realize like electoral politics for the most part is a is a dead end. It's not going to get anywhere. Um, and that 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 leads me to um, one of our next uh, topics. Um, uh, the uh, FBI, the Richmond FBI office, uh, a memo got leaked that showed they were trying to infiltrate traditionalist Roman Catholic circles and send uh, secular, uh, you know, white nationalist types into these, um, th- into these trad cat circles. 
Um, and of course, the FBI immediately said, oh, this didn't meet our standards. We're pulling back this memo. We're not, nothing to see here. This isn't happening. Um, but very clearly, like the FBI is trying to infiltrate religious groups um, and they, they the conservative, you know, right-wing uh, religious groups. And, and why is that? Why do they care? I mean, because traditionalist Roman Catholics, you have people that go to Latin mass, there are a tiny, tiny percentage of Roman Catholics who are at a small percentage of the overall population in the United States. So why do they care so much about those people? Because they have to make them look ridiculous. They have to make people who, who operate outside of the mentality of the postmodernist administrative managerial state, they have to make anybody who dissents look like, like, like freaks, yeah. like losers, like radicals, like revolutionary anarchists. I mean, they have to make them look like um, we shouldn't even be talking about their legitimacy within society. So that's why they have to send people in there like when you have, I mean, like what's what's that one group that um, Gavin McManus started? Uh, the uh, uh, the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys, right? So originally, yeah. the Proud Boys was pretty much just. Uh, it wasn't even that right wing, right? But it was just. It was. Well, they're like pro gay, and they were, you know. Like, well, well, now they yeah. are. Yeah. But when they first started, um, you know, they they were basically like right of center. But they went in, they infiltrated it. They have a bunch of plants in there because they want to make anyone who stands up. Um, you know, for their their rights as men, you know, for the function of men, for yeah. um, masculinity, they want to make anyone who talks about those things look like very scary um, parts of society that basically should be pushed to the outside. I mean, so that's they that's what they do with all of these all of these groups that come together um, based on questioning some aspect of regime ideology. They have to basically make them look like clowns and, and scary people and they have to make these finance super yeah. scared of them and all of these you know white liberal college graduates scared of them um so that they can continue on pushing their regime ideology on the rest of the country so you know it, it also makes it also makes people like us scared not like us but people who would otherwise be in our shoes scared to question things i actually have a really good friend um i'm not going to say his name but he works for a um one of the most profitable countries in, in the world, you know, fortune, one of the top five wealthiest countries. I'm not going to say what company it is, but he is scared livid to say the wrong thing, to yeah. make it appear like he's going to vote for the wrong person, to even have conversations to me on his various devices about uh, political matters. He won't talk about it. He won't think about it mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to be associated with those types of, of groups. And it's really sad to see someone so neutered and 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 I do call him a little bit of a coward. He does need to, <laughs> you know, put some pants on and, and be a man a little bit. But but it's true. That's what's happening is they're taking these people who have very nor historically normal conservative positions and they're making them scared livid to even operate so they yeah. don't get fired and their children destroyed. Well, and not only that, not even like your your um regular folks, not even you, you know the like regular people thinking like, oh, I, I, oh, I can't join that group. Oh, Latin mass. Oh my goodness. I can't, I can't, you know, I'm just going to keep going to my regular Catholic church. Like people, um, you, they're, they're, they're obviously, yeah, they're trying to do that, try to scare people off of that. I mean, you see this also with um, the Roman Catholic uh, pro-life protester. They arrested, charged, they, they had a SWAT team show up at his house, even though he said he was going to turn himself in mm -hmm. uh, and, and like, uh, dawn they show up with all his kids around with guns drawn and and it's like why are they doing this like it and and the charges like i think almost got immediately you know got thrown out um because yeah, the drama was, was that's the point. point that was the exactly point. yeah 
Yeah, the entire point of it is is so that for a few weeks, anybody that shows up to an abortion clinic and holds right. up a sign or prays or you know does has the rosary, you know, beads or whatever, like anybody that does that stuff is going to get a visit from the FBI and is mm-hmm. is going to have their life ruined. Yeah. Um, like that's what they want you to be afraid. They right. want it so like so yeah. on one hand, like again. Like stuff like this, stuff like like uh, January six, stuff like like all of it seems like a huge black pill, or it seems like um, or in the election, all of it seems like oh this is incredibly depressing, um, but it it should not be uh, because they understand our enemies more than we do um, understand how important the Christian faith is um, in resisting them. Right. They understand like like actual genuine Christian, not the not like the the fake stuff, right? Not the stuff right. where, where people just they show up to their church and are told Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and and you don't have to actually believe anything the Bible says to, to do. Um, but make sure you put some money in the offering. Like that the, the typical big box church Christian people, right? They don't care about them, they're not a threat. Like the, the big Eva gospel coalition type people who just parrot um whatever the regime says right those people are not a threat at all but people who like actually believe what the bible says right people who who see what god's word says and do it and live that way that's a huge threat to them because it's totally counter um to to how they live i mean it's the the title of our show right it's the the image there that's that you're you're sitting in front um is right this you huge crucifix being held up to these demons all around uh, say no, no more, right? Like Gandalf, you shall not pass, right? That's what it is. And and even though there's not very many, like there are not tons of people in, in both Catholic churches or, or churches like mine wow. are, 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 are small that are, are conservative, reformed, evangelical churches, very small, not a lot of people, but it's growing. And these movements are, are like, that's the thing. The movements are growing uh, very quickly because, right, we're in steep decline, we're in steep economic decline. People are are angry, right? People see that we don't have like the GOP doesn't represent us, right? Kevin McCarthy, what's he going to do for for me and my family? Like he's not going to do. What's he going to do? The first thing he wants to do is cut Social Security. Like that's his big priority. You know, I mean, one of the things that they booed Biden about was was actually like kind of mostly true. Like he's not going to get rid of it completely, but they want to get rid of like all these you know big programs and balance the budget and do Paul Ryan type stuff when that's like the least popular thing ever. Like it doesn't work with the voters at all. Like this is something Trump understood. Um, they're not going to like do anything about stuff regular people care about, like secure the border. They're going to do that, right? They're not going to keep us. They're not going to get rid of drugs and fentanyl and things. They don't care about those things. Um, so we have no representation whatsoever, right? They're not going to bring down the price of eggs and meat, right? That's not going to happen. They're going to keep printing money. No, and it all they're anti- well, they're also anti-egg. <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. Yeah we, yeah. we can talk about that later, but yeah, yeah that's, that's another, that's, that's maybe another, another episode, but yeah, like they're, they, they're, they're doing, they, there's no representation whatsoever. And we've, we've talked before, um, you know, about, um, about how, how democracy works, like in, 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 in real terms, not in the, you know, um, schoolhouse rock sense, but in like real terms, how does democracy work? Where you have this, you have this dialectic, basically, where you have the left, right, the far, far left, and you have the the far right, and then you have this this center, 
this kind of center right that made this it exists to maintain the status quo because if you get rid of that then you get this this far right like this we talked about the situation in um you know in 20th century germany in weimar germany and and you know carl schmidt we've talked about him before um that his whole goal was to try to get the weimar government to have teeth to be more powerful and to forestall, like to represent the people, do the stuff the people wanted to do to protect them from communists, and and they 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 wouldn't do that. So the people chose, um, you know, very far right people to do monstrous stuff. Um, and so, yeah. like that's kind of the situation that yeah that we're we're ending up we're going to end up in in the next yeah. 10, 20, 30 years um, as as our situation declines. And it's almost like with this FBI stuff, like what they're doing, what the regime is like, they almost want that. It feels like, like yeah, why are they bringing yeah. wignets into uh, traditionalist Roman Catholic circles? Like, why are they trying to stir this stuff up? Like, are they trying to bring it to have more J six type stuff, more Gretchen Whitmer type stuff? I think, I think the answer is yes. They want people to do stupid things so they can have this, like, to, yeah, to they want raise to up. Uh, yeah, they want to raise up like this this radical right wing um, right. that to do violent stuff that they can immediately shut down and destroy, right. so as to close off any actual opposition that does effective decent um sensible things right uh that, that isn't radical in that sense i think you're right i think they want to they want to get it out of the way they want to create an artificial version of it that it's controlled it's like a controlled burn like yeah. out here in northern california we have a lot of forest fires so sometimes they'll do they'll do like a pre-burn that they have complete control of so that uh, an actual fire that they have no control of can't start there right so they'll, they'll pick these pockets and do these controlled burns it's the same concept, you know, so you, you kind of absorb that tension so that people um, don't get so despairing and so agitated that they actually appeal to some legitimate right wing threat, you know, so they can't have that. So they, they create these controlled burns, these controlled situations that they can they can cut down. I think that's I think that's a big part of it, too, because you're right. Um, things got so desperate in the 1920s in Germany. And Carl Schmidt was saying you have to suspend you know, these these liberal aspects of the Constitution um, and declare using power what the boundaries are for this society. Otherwise, things are going to continue to uh, degenerate and you're going to get someone, some monster who's going to come in, appeal to the masses and basically turn Germany into something that we don't, you know, into a, a path that we don't want to go down. Um, I don't think anyone's been more vindicated in the 20th century than Carl Schmidt. I know, you know? I know. Yeah. I know oh, it's, 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 amazing. it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, because like, that's literally what happened. He was trying to prevent it from happening and everyone thinks like, Oh, he's this terrible guy. Um, and, and I mean, we, we'll, we'll talk about him more and his political thought. Uh, we'll get Paul, Paul Gottfried on here. Yes. Uh, yes. It. Yeah. Lord willing. We'll, we'll have him we'll talk about all of that uh, special episode in the future. Um, and, and, and so like, that's, that's the thing I think it, like when, when the regime does this kind of stuff, um, I, honestly, I, I think it's, it's um, encouraging. It encourages me as, as a pastor who's trying to bring uh, faithful Christian people that actually want to believe the Bible, that actually want to, to live out their faith um, in, in uh, the real world, and, and really do care about all the things that are taking place in, in our country, and, and see how God's word you know, tells them to live. Like, because that doesn't exist any, you know, not anywhere, but it doesn't exist largely in most of the country. Like most of the churches, the function of the of our churches in our in our country is is to pacify people, like politically, right? I mean, almost in this 
um, Marxian opiate of the masses sense, right? To, to tell people, oh, don't worry about living here. This world is not your home. Here's the bumper mm-hmm. sticker. Um, and don't worry about this stuff. It's not that big a yeah. deal, which is, again, like I said yeah. earlier, you could do that when you have like a GDP that goes up by 8% every year or whatever. Like you could, you could do that um, maybe. Uh, but when things are spiraling out of control, when people are, are, are cutting off the genitals of little kids, and that's in the mainstream, that's happening at the hospital in your town. Um, that's that's a little bit different, you know. Yeah. That now you have to fight, and and, and, and it's not even this like, and it's not even this like utilitarian argument that you know you need to do it because otherwise bad things are going to happen to you. It's I think we actually do have an obligation um, to fight for our our kin and our family, and by extension our community and our nation. You know our our, our nationality. I think that we have an, a created obligation to care about those things, to prioritize them, even though they're not going to last forever. I think that yeah. there's this fallacy where since since the world as it exists in sin is not going to be um, it's not it's not eternal. It's going to be it's going to end. Your family relations are not going to go long, go along into eternity that we therefore can stop thinking about them. I, I think that's a complete um, abuse of the gospel. I think it's a complete abuse of the nature of the kingdom of heaven and the idea that we should not um, care enough for those around us and the, the the lineage that we were born into and our responsibility to pass that on to our posterity. I think it's completely anti-Christian to not fight for temporal things. Absolutely. I mean, you, and you see this in the New Testament, right? You see this where Paul, I mean, what, what does Paul say? That he does not provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. Right. And yeah. Because, I mean, what's the argument he's making is that unbelievers, right, the Gentiles, they understood you have your family, you have your neighbors, you have your community, right, all around you that you need to care about. Right. I mean, it all, it, 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 it radiates out from there, these things that you need to get, like immediate things and then, then further away. Like, you need to care about these things. You need to care about your country. You need to care about your family. You need to care about your children. You need to care about your parents. Right. I mean, Jesus. I mean, one of the worst condemnations in uh, the Gospels of of someone is is to the Pharisees. You have a twenty five percent chance. Yeah, when when uh, when when they say <laughs> right when 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 they say, hey, you know, I know that you um, you know, you're supposed to give uh, take care of your parents, like you're the eldest son, you get a double inheritance. You're supposed to take care of your parents um, with that money, but it's actually good that despite them, you donated all of it to the temple. That's a great, holy, wonderful thing that you did. Look at you. Look how great you are. Um, like Jesus says, like, that's abominable that you would do that. That you take the, the commandment and, and subvert it. I mean, you turn it inside out. It's evil that you would do that. But that's like most of big Eva. That's their entire ethos is look how holy I am. Look how holy I am doing these holy things. When you're letting the things that are the most important burn to the ground, right? I mean, it is, it's this is a condemnation Jesus has for our, our culture, for our, for our church culture to, to not care about your family, not care about the world that your children are going to inherit, right? That's an evil thing to do. It's an evil that Jesus hates. And uh, we're, we're so blasé about it. We don't care. It's like, oh, whatever. Um, and so that, that, I mean, I think that, that sums up really um, uh, so, so much of the analysis yeah. that we're going to do here. Um, 
that, I think, yeah, let's, that, I, think, I think that's what we're told. That's a, I think that's a great, that's a, I think that's a great way to end it, um, you know, for, for now, because I think going forward, so much of our conversations are going to revolve around as Christians, what are our obligations to take care of temporal, of the temporal order? You know, we do live in two kingdoms. We live in a world where we have family and we have um, a nation and we have people that are bound to us by blood. And I think that's important to think about those things. Um, and we live in that kingdom. And not everyone will belong to the eternal kingdom, but we don't live in the eternal kingdom now. We live in the temporal kingdom now. And I think living in both of those worlds gives us eternal hope, but it also gives us resolve to fight for temporal things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, uh, we can we can end for this week. But before we go, uh, CJ, what stuff are, are you working on that people can find uh to get I'm working on a lot. I blog at contramordor.substack.com uh, and I blog there at least twice a week. Um, I also have another um, blog and it's, um, I forget, I, forget, I don't even know. It's linked on the Contra Mordor, so you can find it there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll add it to the show notes. Yeah, my Twitter is at Contra Mordor and I'm working on a biography of Paul Gottfried. I've been working on that for about a year. And I'm about 50% done. And now I'm at the fun part, which is going through all of his personal papers and letters and correspondence. And I get to actually dig into the deep stuff. So I've been, I really want it to be a nice, solid um, intellectual biography of, of someone that I've been heavily influenced by. So I'm working on that. And I'm also editing a Festrift for Paul Gottfried with a, about 20 other different uh, writers and, and scholars. I get to edit that. So those will come out together as volume one and volume two. And finally, I'm also working not only with you on this podcast, but I'm doing the, the Chronicles podcast, which should, the first episode should be about uh, about a week and a half okay. before the first episode launches. So I'm really busy, uh, but you can find me in all those places. So w- what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, uh, producing content at, at Gab News. So um, I'm, I'm trying to have you know, two or three articles out a week um, this year. And, and uh, yeah, we've, we've, had, we've had plenty of content produced already. Um, and of course my sermons from, from Sundays are, are, are going up as well. Um, and, and of course I, 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 I post, uh, probably too much on, on, uh, social media on, uh, on Gab and, and on Twitter at Boniface option. And, and of course, um, also my book, uh, people ask me about that. When's the book coming out? When's the book coming out? Um, hopefully, uh, we'll get that book out, uh, early in the second quarter of 2023. Um, so a lot of fun content, uh, coming down, uh, very soon. And so stay tuned, uh, for both, for both of our books and and everything else that we're producing. Uh, and if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening, please like and subscribe and all the other stuff that the people at the end of these things always tell you to do. Uh, and, and until then we will see you next week. (laughs) 